Welcome to Spirit Behind the Screen. Each episode, your host, Marty McCurdy, deep dives on industry trends around high reliability electronics and the supply chain in aerospace and defense. This is episode 29 with Josh Brolin on Renaissance High Reliability Aerospace Products. Hi, I'm Marty McCurdy with Spirit Electronics, and we're here with our podcast, Behind the Screen. And today with us is Josh Brolin from Intersil Renaissance. So Josh, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Marty. Thanks for having me. For sure. Uh, I know that uh, we've done some creative play on words with the Renaissance in our kitchen and, and doing a little creative marketing. So first question, I guess, that I need to clear up is that it is Intersil high rail products, but it uh, Renaissance is your parent company, but are you still using the Intercell branding or how does that look from the inside? Yeah, Marty, uh, great question. We absolutely are using Intercell for branding purposes. We use it at every place possible, everywhere possible. We actually, within the Renaissance, being a pretty significantly sized company these days, are the only product line or business division that actually is, uh, was uh, allowed to use Intercell. So yeah, great question. We are. You have such flight heritage, especially in space and things like that. So I'm sure that helps carry that forward for longevity of, of product knowledge. Yes, absolutely. Well, how many years has it been now? Because I remember when the IDT acquisition occurred, because it was shortly after I purchased Spirit. But the Intersil portion was when? 2017. So it's, uh, it seems like it happened just yesterday. But yeah, 2017, time flies, huh? Five years. <laughs> yeah, it does fly. I think we say here at Spirit that we jam three days of work into eight hours. So that's uh, why time flies so fast. Like it. <laughs> so I just wanted to have a little chat today on, you know, where you are product wise. I know that recently this year, Spirit and Intercell have joined forces to have distribution of wafer and dyes for you. And we appreciate that since our we're very concentric to aerospace and defense. So I know one of the big conversations always out here, two things I see, and I, I'm sure you see more, I see memory and power management. So let's look at power management first, because that really is an area that you play in heavily and are putting together maybe new products as well for that particular sector. Yeah, so first off, great to be on board, uh, great to be partnering with Spirit Electronics. Look forward to all the amazing things we will be able to do going forward. So as far as power management, that's definitely in our DNA. It's, it continues to be our core competency and, and not only the, the, the level of expertise, especially ultimately within the radiation environment, which is key you know, beyond just uh, the, the power management device performance uh, or devices, that's a core competency that's been with us for, for quite some time, at least two decades, uh, if not more. But we continue to grow on that because there's ongoing trends in the industry that pull that forward, right? Uh, there's no shortage of innovation in the area of power management. Of course, it's pervasive amongst all systems, subsystems. You need to have power, right? So uh, you need, need to have it where and when and how you need it, uh, the various uh, devices or areas that you're, you're powering. So yes, uh, it gets a big portion of our overall R&D investment. We'll continue for the foreseeable future. Talking about a couple of the trends that are pulling the investment there, a lot more onboard processing. Uh, that's not new to the industry. We've been talking about that for some time, continues to 
go up and to the right, wanting to do more processing on orbit and not having to go back and forth. That just is a higher demand on the ground-based assets. So so what that entails is now they're looking at advanced FPGAs, adopting FPGAs like Xilinx, Microsemi, et cetera. What the additional processing demands on those and the capability of those devices, it requires new power requirements. And so that's where we come into play to be able to meet those needs. Another thing comes to mind in general as potentially there's more electronics and more functionality that is on, on orbit uh, in that given satellite. There's just more to power as well. So that's uh, just a couple of things that come to mind there. Yes, it's, uh, it's good info. I, the reason I mentioned memory is because I wanted to specifically ask a lot of the tasks that we get, obviously, are in Flash and DDR4 talking to the FPGAs. As you know, we also have Xilinx, and that's super helpful to kind of use that as the heart of a design and build around it. So the Intersil product line does that extremely well. But how are you addressing... I guess my own curiosity, because I really don't know the answer, but how do you address the low power opportunities that some of the like Micron memory is offering now, and then pair that with something like a big power hog, like a Vertex 5? So how does your power management adjust for you know, this variable in the component power requirements? Well, the one, one nice thing about power management, there's no one one size fits all and there's no one stop shop, right? So you need multiple widgets at the end of the day to, to serve various segments, uh, sub-segments of the power management world. But I mean, there's, there is some level of commonality. Think about it, uh, especially the, the KU 060 or 060. You know, there's multiple rails needing multiple, you know, have different power requirements. So just in, in that of, of itself, you're going to have different power management needs uh, that will drive different types of widgets, uh, whether it's like an LDO or a switching regulator their specific needs for those devices. So that, that does play in nicely on things like, you know, powering memory or RF components uh, and the likes. The way we you go to market, you have to have a good understanding of what the industry trends are, what the needs are, right? Uh, you need to be out in the market to know the market. So beyond that, you go back and say, okay, what's our process technology capabilities? What do we have in front of us? And of course, you know, being in the space domain, it, that's just a whole nother, you know, level of complexity. You need to have the right process, ideally, as the foundation to provide robust solutions for that environment. So that's kind of the step one. Do we need a new process? Can we use the existing processes that we have, et cetera? And then you go from there, and then you apply your tried and true understanding of IP and, and how to design these particular parts uh, to meet the needs uh, in a radiation environment. Yes, very nice. I also am a little bit jealous that from a portfolio standpoint, obviously the Intersil products have this long legacy of, of flight, but from a design standpoint, I guess, with the IDT and all of the Renaissance parts collectively, you have quite a library of product to choose from to just design about anything out there. So do you dabble a little bit in the Renaissance side? I have to say, I haven't really looked at that offering because I'm so focused on yours. Certainly. Uh, yeah, in some cases, I can't necessarily go into, into detail here, but uh, for sure, right, that, that's that been very exciting and, and quite frankly, time-consuming to a certain extent. And the, the breadth of uh, portfolio that we have uh, potentially to bring bring to market, but it's easier said than done, right? You know, and, and concept and strategy is one thing when you get down to the tactics and, and saying, okay, uh, which solutions obviously meet the needs of the customers, the designers, the, the system designers, but, you know, can they meet the the needs, uh, the performance uh, metrics, if you will, with the, the you know, exposure to radiation, right? So that's a whole other ball game. 
certainly it depends on what the mission profile is, et cetera. You know, that, that spectrum of needs is growing on both ends. But uh, nonetheless, as far as, you know, how we view the market uh, or markets, if we were sub-segments, that's, that's where we start first, right? You know, is this, is this part capable of meeting, you know, surviving in that environment? So, yeah, a lot of, a lot of amazing, you know, devices and widgets uh, amongst the acquisitions was IDT, Dialog, and Renaissance. But again, you know, it's easier said than done. So, uh, but that has been part of our, our focus. Keep pushing on that. Yeah, no, super. I uh, I know just from our, you know, expansion of our value add capabilities here, which was always our our roadmap. We just got there a little sooner than we wanted. Uh, you know, we finally brought in our circuit card assembly last summer. So we're full turnkey from authorized distributor to all the value add. And, and we really, the reason I'm mentioning, we always seem to see just a few of your products that are always somebody wants to touch them a little more and GAN FET drivers and your pulse width modulators and things like that. And I think you and I had a conversation this year and the end of last year, just from the absolute constraint on beam time uh, at any of the cyclotrons out there. So we actually are now, you know, kind of being forced to look outside the country just to get some work done. And I know one of the skill sets that you have, maybe a resource, is that you have some very nice labs for the, the TID work and some of the radiation work, which helps kind of bring your product to market a little sooner, I would imagine. Yeah, good point. You touched on a sensitive sore subject in the industry right now, right? <laughs> the, the lack of cyclotron capacity, quite frankly, if if I could go back in time to say 20 years ago, because it's, it's, that's a heavy task to really, you know, stand one of those up and meet the needs of the industry. So, but it would be great to have a cyclotron, but it is what it is, right? So we're, we're making the most of that situation. And yes, you got to get creative, I think, uh, these days. And hopefully, you know, the industry as a whole can continue to improve that area uh, of tension, of constraint. So, but beyond that, yes, here in Palm Bay, uh, Florida, we have high and low dose rate TID chambers. Both of them are capable from a, say, manufacturing volume perspective, right? Uh, what we need to do our wafer by wafer qualification and characterization for all of our parts that are in our rad hard space line. We also, you know, have, you know, beyond that capability to do pretty much all of our manufacturing here as well. Uh, we go from fab to out the door, um, uh, four inch, six inch uh, uh, processes, a wide variety, uh, Swiss Army, Army knife, if you will, of different process technologies and capabilities to wafer probe, uh, assembly and test. So those come in handy, obviously, especially in the supply crunch that we've seen in the industry over the last couple of years. Uh, we've been a bit of a hero in that regards, not only for our customers, but, you know, as, as seen as far as the, within the company as well. So I have some products that are offshore, uh, they're not, not space, but in the 83 domain, and that's easier said than done as far as, you know, getting those through so, on the subcons. So I, I get the kind of the overall appetite of companies out there looking for alternative, just like you mentioned on the Cyclotron, uh, whether it's uh, upscreening or it's, hey, I just need, I, I need a different path to, to get these parts, right? Whatever, where it is they, they need. So uh, more options, the better, right, in general. For sure. I know, uh, I think that is, I was going to kind of touch on that is when Phil Harris, uh, one of your colleagues was here recently, we talked about all of the allocation that's going on and price increase and, and just market availability when you have an eight to 12 week product that, you know, now is moving out into the 30 and then it moved to 60 and now we're out at 90 weeks. I mean, 
I can't plan anything in 90 weeks. I don't know how anybody can plan a big, you know, bomb build in 90 weeks. Yeah. So. And just to be clear, that's not the products that I'm responsible for getting out to the, those lead times, but you're saying in general, right? In general. Yeah, <laughs> okay. no, that, and that's what I was going to mention is that I think that one of the luxuries that Intersil has is that your own fab is right there in Palm Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do your own test, any of the, you know, mill standards, screen and qual, all of that is done in house. If you just want to touch on that, I talked to Phil a little bit about that, but I haven't had the luxury of a tour of the lab yet. So, yeah, I guess I had a couple more things there. So, for those that may not be aware that Intersil High Rail products uh, under Renaissance, we still have the capability in Palm Bay here to do front to back. We are KML B, Class B, Class Q capable DLA uh, authorized supplier. So, that that's key in this area. We, we do, you know, we have a ton of parts on SMDs through DLA. So, Basically, a one-stop shop here, right? We like to think of us as a high rail center of excellence here. So, uh, but beyond you know the manufacturing and the development capabilities uh, in our R&D area with the testers and the growing amount of testers that actually we're getting in the different advanced uh, testers and whatnot, we do have a also on campus a world-class failure analysis lab and team that supports that. For example, when acquired IDT, they came and said, "Oh, you have that capability, right?" Uh, we also have capabilities to do eval boards and our ATE boards uh, on campus. I actually manage that team here. That's another thing that I, when IT came, it's like, oh, that's a great resource to have, right? At least another option versus outsourcing, right? Make versus buy kind of thing. So, you know, this just uh, gives you a little bit more flavor for what's going on here. Yeah, no, it's good. I uh, I know people probably think I'm a control freak, but it really isn't. I like things under my own roof, like you guys are doing. And one of those is that I know when your team was out here visiting, we talked about our Vantest 93Ks and that, you know, you obviously have more test capabilities than testers right now. And we have several of those, but we also have several more on order, but that's a 24 month delivery now. So everybody's feeling it. And even to break it down, you know, a little bit more is the sockets. I know I called you begging for some sockets here not too long ago because the constraint in the industry is really starting to be a bit painful. So hopefully, you know, we can all navigate this out for, I think it's probably going to last for another nine months to a year. So hopefully we can ride that storm out to, I say we might have big bookings this year, but billings might be low because we mm. won't be shipping quite as much. Yeah, understand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Josh, just to you know, maybe dive a little bit deeper on the product line. Do you touch anything other than aerospace and defense? Is there any downhole or you know medical or anything that kind of easily the little shift to the right and you can touch on those markets, or do you strictly stay in the A and D space? Yeah, so even in the A&D, we predominantly focus on the, the kind of aerospace space side of things, really, really anything, you know, beyond, you know, in, into low earth or near earth orbit and beyond. Uh, but when you have products that are on processes, say like on silicon on an insulator, they do lend themselves to operating in higher temperatures. Of course, assuming you don't have a thermal shutdown, right, feature on there. It's kind of a natural fit, yeah, for downhole drilling, like you mentioned, or the medical where you have some level of radiation exposure. But really, are the lion's share of our focus is on the on the space domain. But like you said, there's a couple areas where there could be some adoption. But really, our, our main focus is on the on the space. Quite frankly, you know, part of that reason is because of the growing spectrum of needs on both ends, right? On the DoD side, and as you know, Leo and Neo, and different risk adverse or, or lack thereof mission profiles or missions down in that area. 
For sure. It's exciting. You know, it always feels a little bit like when I was a kid lost in space, you know, but just the language and the conversations we have, and I'm sure you have them even more in depth than we do, but basically starting repairs from satellites tethering to another satellite in space. And I just remember one conversation we had with a customer and they got into the wrong orbit, but I go, what'd you do? And they go, oh, well, we sped it up for three months and got it in the right orbit. And I go, what, do you have enough fuel for that? I go, oh yeah, yeah. We had enough fuel. We had redundancy and all that. And they go, but then it's a short mission after that, we're going to slingshot it around the sun and let it burn up. And I'm just like, where am I? <laughs> you know, it was just one of those crazy Different conversations. World, yeah. yeah. So it's always exciting. I know people might look at us and think we, you know, aren't doing much going on in our, in our industry, but for us, it's always uh, pretty dynamic at least. Yes, absolutely. So I think that hopefully the, the world gets back to some normalcy. I, I know we had some conferences you and I were both at this past year, and uh, it always helps to get out there and understand and hear what everybody's doing and where the technology's moving and things like that. So I will keep my eyes and ears to the ground inside the Intersil Radhard component division that you're part of, and I look forward to continuing to grow the partnership on the wafer and dye sales. Very good. And likewise. All right. Well, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Maybe we'll make it over to Florida since it's nice and sunny and warm and you got the beaches. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anytime. Thanks for listening with Spirit this week. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast to let us know what you want to hear about in aerospace and defense. You can find out more about Spirit's value-added services and product lines at spiritelectronics.com.